Welcome to the Expository Word Podcast, where you can hear classic recorded messages from Kimber Kaufman. Throughout these messages, Kimber faithfully follows the text to deliver God's message and to practically apply it to life. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't somehow say, ah, oh, it, it, it's not working. You keep using your spiritual gift for the Lord faithfully. He's called you to be faithful, not successful. We trust you will enjoy listening to these classic recordings. And in just a moment, we will join our teacher with the message. We believe that some of our listeners may have additional recorded messages from Kimber at home. If you have a cassette and would consider sharing a recording with our audience, please contact us through our email at theexpositoryword at gmail.com. Today, Kimber continues teaching through the Word, and our hope is that you will be challenged and encouraged by listening in. Let's turn now to Kimber. Our Father, tonight as we study your Word about spiritual gifts, help us to understand Give us grace to know how to find our gifts, to develop them, to understand what they are. Bless this particular now time of study to our lives. Don't let us be the same. Give us faith to expect to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to uh, continue this study now of spiritual gifts. And every Sunday night that we get a chance to, besides bringing in candidates and missionaries, we will uh, do this. And... um, I want us to start by considering some of the most basic questions by quick review to bring you up. For instance, how many gifts are there? Well, the main passages about spiritual gifts are found in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, and 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. But all the list of gifts are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you had to ask what a spiritual gift is, it's two words. It comes from the word spiritual, breathed out, or something spiritual, and from the word gift, from the idea of charismata, and that is the idea of uh, spirit. So it's something that is spiritual and something that is given to you. Um, it is not a natural talent, but it is given you by the Holy Spirit at rebirth. And again, not to just drag you through the mire of things we've already covered, what an exciting thing to know that you have been given a gift when you repented of your sins and trusted Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit came into your life and it was fabulous to hear people tonight back in the room testify of Christ saving them. You never grow tired of hearing that. And it's, it was, it's wonderful to consider this and... And to see that at that moment, God gave you a special gift that was to be used, especially in the body of Christ. In fact, you may ask this question, is every Christian gifted? Yes. To each one, that phrase, notice that phrase, to each one, is in all four main passages on spiritual gifts. And if there's something that is emphasized by God there, is that every single person, you included, has a spiritual gift. When is the gift received? I guess we've already covered this. When you receive the Spirit of God, when we are baptized into the body of Christ, as 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, as we come to believe upon Christ. Who decides what is my gift? I love this. The the Trinity does. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Christ measures out your gift exactly in proportion to what you need. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, The Holy Spirit is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And it says in Romans 12, 3, what we just read here, it is God that has given these gifts. And so... You can start to see the, that, by the way, don't ever put that down. I'm afraid somehow, somewhere down the line, somewhere along the line, some false teacher is going to tell you that there is no teaching on the Trinity in the Bible. How we just saw it is the way it is taught again and again. And don't let anyone deceive you with empty words in regards to that. Now let's look at some foundational principles. Some of these may be a little bit of uh, duplicating, but everyone has a spiritual gift. There is saving grace and there is serving grace. And we are saved by God's grace and we also are given grace in order to have a special ability to serve. Please know that every spiritual gift has been exactly measured out by Christ. In other words, some have more of the same gifts than others. 
There may be two people with the same gift, and, and, and one is more gifted at that than someone else. And you shouldn't feel badly if that's the case, um, because when you see someone who may be obviously gifted in some area more than you are in an area that you like, instead of being jealous, give thanks to God that he's given you to be just the exact part of the body he wants you to be, and you are just as important as any other part of the body. Uh, remember illustrations we could give. Remember about you don't care about your, maybe one of your back teeth until you have a toothache. And, and, and how it just can cripple the entire body. So think, think properly about yourself. In particular, what we just read in Romans, the teaching is this. If you are highly gifted, then don't you be a person that, that says, look, um, I, 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 look at me, and, and use the gift for yourself or for your own advantage. No, you use it for the common good. Think biblically about yourself. Now, notice something else. Every spiritual gift is to be used for the good of all. I don't think that's Jeremiah 12.7. I believe that's 1 Corinthians 12.7. Uh, and 1 Peter 4.10, clearly the Bible teaches that your gift is to be used for the good of all. By the way, another important comment, I've, I'm racing through this material to get to some of the parts I want to cover quickly, but um, I, I must tell you that when it comes to the importance of a local church in your life, you, I, it is such, you, you hear common things about marriage. For instance, people in marriage say, what good's a piece of paper do? And, and other people say, uh, never read, but you have to go to church in the Bible. There are so many teachings in the Bible, just like there are in the Trinity, and spiritual gifts is one of them, that, that exalt and promote the local church and your involvement in it. I just want to point that out to you. Look, look at this. Love, is, is, love for others is the basis of using your spiritual gift. Did you ever consider that whenever you go to a wedding and you hear 1 Corinthians 13 read, and so many weddings have that, did you know that that is about love involved in using your spiritual gift? If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, what's that? The gift of tongues, if I have the gift of tongues but don't have love, what good am I? You see, the whole idea of using your gifts is that when you are using your gifts, it's like the law of God, my friends. Listen, when you follow the law of God, you will undoubtedly be the most loving person that ever walked upon the face of this earth. The person who was the most loving that ever walked followed the law of God perfectly. His name was Jesus Christ. And the same thing is true in regards to spiritual gifts. When you use your spiritual gifts diligently and with all your heart for the Lord, it is the most loving thing you can possibly do because it is the most advantageous thing for the body of Christ. I absolutely fall in love with this phrase again and again. You are actually administering God's grace in its various forms. The serving grace of God upon your life is given out to the church when you use your gift in its various forms. I'll tell you, and I, I, I sense... Uh, a, a tremendous encouragement when I see people using their spiritual gifts and, and you think that is God. What you're actually seeing is God's grace at work in our lives. Isn't that exciting to think about that? Now, also, you are to use your gift. Now, that may not seem like a deep point, but that's something that the Bible emphasizes. Use your spiritual gift. Something else, use your gift faithfully, the Bible says. Take your spiritual gift, develop it, know what it is, and use it faithfully and continually uh, for the Lord. And by the way, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't somehow say, ah, it, it, it's not working. You keep using your spiritual gift for the Lord faithfully. He's called you to be faithful, not successful. And notice this. You are to expect God's help and blessing in the use of your gift. You will see that he will, he will give you the strength supplied to be able to use the gift for his glory. And your goal of goals is to bring praise to God. You are to think of your personal relationship to the Lord but also of your corporate relationship with the body of Christ. I don't know if I've completely grabbed hold of this. So much of my life has been my personal relationship with the Lord, my personal devotions. And, for instance, I was talking to a friend of mine about the Amen group on Friday mornings. I just throw out this little plug. 
I, I, I am endeared and in love with a group of men that come on Friday mornings from 6.30 to 7.30 to our study. Some of you can't make it because of job, I understand. But there is, week after week we have prayer, week after week we have discussion about the scriptures, week after week we, we confess sins to each other. Do you know that you really draw close to each other? And I had a friend of mine, he goes, man, I just can't, I get up early all the time, I've got to have personal devotions. I say, wait a minute, I believe in personal devotions, I'm all the time pushing for personal devotions, but can I tell you, it wouldn't hurt if one day a week you had corporate devotions. There is nothing at all wrong at coming from 637 and skipping devotions and slipping in, you've got your pastor's permission, <laughs> and do that. Because the guy was getting up at 5.30 to spend time in the Word so that he could come and have corporate devotions. I said, come. I said, that's my devotions for that day. Being with those, of course, I study all day Friday too, but, but my point is that's my devotions of, of, of singing the songs with the men and, and praying with the men and, and talking about the Lord with each other. There's something about that which is tremendous. And by the way, one of the best ways to find out what your spiritual gift is is to ask yourself, when you're with a group of people, what is it that you like to do? What is it that you're motivated to do? What is it that, that most comes uh, naturally, although if you want to talk about spiritual gifts, what is it that comes most supernaturally to you? So think of yourself and how you're doing in your corporate relationship with the body of Christ. Jesus talks about this a lot, by the way. If you go to the altar and you remember that you have something against your brother, leave your gift right there and go get it straight with your brother. See, corporate relationship is, is very important. Righteousness is, remember, according to Ephesians, this way and this way. And it's important that we keep those things clear in our minds. Now, um, I want to talk about categories of gifts, but we, and this will be very quick. But before we do that, I, I've just got to say something, and I want to be so careful as to how I say this. I have been given, I think I counted up six different sets of packages from dear people in our church that said, I went to this seminar and I learned this. And I have heard so much talk about spiritual gifts. It has really been an amazing thing to see the amount of interest that people have in regards to spiritual gifts. But one more thing I want to say about the purpose of spiritual gifts is this. In a lot of the material I read, I must be quite honest, and a lot of the people that I've talked to, I, I've got to tell you that I don't think there has been much diligent expositional work done, even by what a lot of things have been passed out on spiritual gifts. For instance, here is a very well-known, nationally known man, Bible teacher, who people look up to with deep respect. I do too. I think he's a good man. I'm sure at the beam he's going to have a greater reward than me. That doesn't mean that he's always right, just like it doesn't mean that I'm always right. But here he, here's what he says. How to identify spiritual gifts? First question, what are the purposes of spiritual gifts? Number one, spiritual gifts are given so that every Christian can experience the joy and fulfillment of God working through him and her. That's not true. That is not the number one reason why spiritual gifts were given. The number one reason for spiritual gifts given, clearly taught according to the Bible, is for the common good. It's for the sake. Now certainly, will you experience joy and fulfillment? Yes, but there is nothing in Scripture that says, and you will experience joy and fulfillment. It, it's all the time saying you need to use it for the good sake of the whole. Because you see, to the Hebrew mind, the group, the family, was more important than the individual. And we've turned, even spiritual gifts, even our good evangelical teachers, have turned spiritual gifts around to make it to be something for yourself. You see, and that isn't clear. That isn't right. Now, something else I want you to see is this. One well-known man says, um, maximum effectiveness with minimum frustration. This is what he says. And this guy is another very good man. You've probably all read some of his books. He says, maximum effectiveness with minimum frustration. That isn't true. Maximum effectiveness with minimum frustration. What was Paul's gift? Paul had the gift of apostle. Did he have... Maximum effectiveness? Okay, maybe. But did he have minimum frustration? Oh, no. Look at the list of the difficulties that Paul had as he tried to use it. There's going to be opposition. 
And the thing I want you to see is, that is again, that utopia view where if you get Christianity right, it's not hard and all goes well. And there is coming at us, even among, in fact, I will tell you what I did. I listened to tapes that people gave me. I studied material that people gave me. And I must tell you, I heard people saying things about spiritual gifts. And I kept going, this is great. Where did you get it? Where's the verse? Get, I can't wait. I just kept waiting, waiting. Where's he going to get to the biblical content as to how he got this material? They never did. It just made me realize that it was all very subjective. It was guesswork. It was just saying, we think this must be what it's like. Now, the reason I say that is if we want to be consistent and true, we've got to say, and th- that's why I'm saying, and I'm not trying to apologize for the series, but I may say it may not be as spectacular as some that you could go get um, sermons from. But I'm going to tell you, I think it might be a little more biblical. Because I, 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 I got some examples here before you of incredibly unbiblical teaching done in the name of biblical teaching. Let me give you an illustration in a minute. By the way, um, um, let, me, let me just give you one here. Throw it out, and I, I'm going to save names. If you want to know who these guys are personally, then um, you can ask me and I'll tell you privately because I, these are good men and it's not, it doesn't mean that everything they do are wrong or bad, but I, I, just, I just want to, if we're not going to be biblical, then we really can just make up stuff and it's, um, it's just, it's like basically, in fact, I will tell you, I was talking with some of the staff and, about this and I think that it's like horoscope theology. I think that's what they've gotten into. Now, they don't believe in the horoscope, but they've taken all of the gifts, and they've listed them out, and they've put characteristics on them, and they try to fit everybody into them. The only thing is, the characteristics they put on them don't come from what the word means in the Greek and how the text is used. It comes from people that they guessed in the Bible had them. For instance, let me give you an example. Here's one about characteristics of the gift of serving. Now, that's what we're going to study tonight, the gift of serving. And the characteristics of the gift of serving is that Timothy is the one that had the gift of serving. Now, two of the most famous teachers that you all heard of say that Timothy is the example of a guy with the gift of serving, I can tell you unequivocally, without a doubt, that that is not true. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says Timothy had the gift of prophecy and pastor teacher with the laying on of hands. He did not have the gift of serving. So then what they do is they take all of these characteristics that they just develop like you would like a horoscope, and they say the ability to see practical needs and meet them. And then they give a verse where it talks about that somehow it's connected. But it is exegetical baloney, I've got to tell you. That's what it is. And I don't mean to sound so harsh and critical, but I'm just going to tell you it isn't. They go down and say, um, uh, for instance, here's one. A difficulty in saying no, result. this is the gift of serving. You have a difficulty in saying no, resulting in a variety of involvements with a tendency to get sidetracked. Now, Timothy is supposed to be the example of that when it says he was told twice by Paul not to get sidetracked. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, and do thy diligence to come before winter. Now, you think that's expositional point coming from those texts? No, not at all. And, and anyway, I hate to be negative, and I hate to, be, to, 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 to try to put, act like I've got to put everybody else down. That's why I don't want to use names, and I don't want you to think that somehow... I, I just would tell you this. I am so dissatisfied with a lot of what I heard and a lot of the things that, that are said. But what we do know about is some categories of gifts. There are office gifts, apostles, evangelists, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. We do know about sign gifts, that is, the miracle gifts, you don't develop them, you don't learn them, you instantly and perfectly have them. And the reason we know this, by the way, is here's what they are. There's gifts such as healing, such as tongues, such as interpretation, such as miracles. The Bible clearly says that tongues was a sign gift. And, but, but one thing is this, you know that you automatically have them. For instance, you have the gift of healing. And we joked, I think, two Sunday nights ago about wouldn't you hate to meet up with a faith healer that was only partially developed in his gift of healing, you know? I thought that was sort of funny, if you think about that. Now, uh, the... 
the point is, or, 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 or even a partial interpretation of tongues or a partial miracle. There is no such thing. When you're gifted in these gifts, you have the Holy Spirit come upon you, and bang, you have instant ability. Then there are categories, and, and the, even the categories, you may want to be careful as to how we, how we put them there, but I think they have to do with speaking gifts, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, word of wisdom, and word of knowledge. And then serving gifts. Now, there are serving gifts, and then there's also the gift of serving. I want you to see that. And that is gifts as faith, helps, discernment, mercy, management, leadership, giving, and the one we're going to study tonight, the gift of serving. Let's talk then about the gift of serving. Here is Ken Cain Kinghorn's definition of one with the gift of serving. You can see it, by the way, in Romans 12, 7, I believe. Okay? It says this, It is a task-oriented ministry that results in the supplying of material and temporal services to others in the body of Christ, thereby freeing them to perform still other ministries. Let's just talk a little bit more about this. It is a general term for ministry. When the Bible talks about ministry, it uses this same Greek word. It is all Christians are to be serving in ministry and helping. And in, in, in a sense, by the way, for instance, apostles are referred to their work with this word. Now what that means is, is that anybody who uses their gift is in a way ministering or serving. But don't get that confused with this gift, which is a special ability to serve. Now, angels have this task of ministering and serving people. For instance, in Hebrews 1.14. So the, the word is used all the time in regards to doing a service for another. Um, all those who use their gifts are, in a sense, ministering and serving. The pastor-teacher is to help you mature so that you can serve. And Jesus even gives the example. He came not to be served, but to serve. Now, um, I want you to see, then, uh, maybe a, a definition, uh, particularly a definition, then, of this word. This is right out of a lexicon. You can just see it for yourself. And that is, it is to be a servant, an attendant, domestic, to serve, to wait upon, to minister to one, to render ministering offices to, to be served, to minister unto, to wait at the table and offer food and drink to the guests. It's used of women preparing food. It's used to minister and supply food and necessities of life, to relieve one's necessities, to provide and take care of, distribute the things necessary to sustain life, to take care of the poor and the sick who administer the office of a deacon in the Christian churches, and to serve as deacons. To minister, in other words, to attend to anything that may serve another's interests. It is, in fact, the very Greek word deacon. The word deacon is the word ministry. The word ministry is the word serve as given out here in the gifts of service. Okay, here's the actual word up here. Now, um, look here then. I think there are some possibly some good illustrations. Now, go with me over to Luke chapter 10 and look at that in a second. Now, again, I say possibly this might be a good illustration of one who has the gift of service in Luke chapter 10. Just to show you that even if you do have the gift of service, that you can still be a, a whiny, complaining person. Um, in other words, it may not be minimum frustration. That's the by the way. The why the way. By the way, uh, sorry about my um, in there. But if anyone want to interpret that, they can. But uh, that 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 is by the way why it says those that have the gift of mercy do it cheerfully. Do you know why you need to practice the gift of mercy cheerfully? Because the person with the gift of mercy, they're going to get worn out, and they need to remember to do it cheerfully. Because even the person with the gift of mercy is going to be at it so much of the time that it's going to be easy to be rather um, tough. Um, so please look at a good illustration here of this famous passage in Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. By the way, the word work there is ministry. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now what I mean to tell you from this passage is this. The one that is like Martha may be the one with the gift of serving. That's what I mean to tell you. That's about all I mean to tell you from that passage. The one, that was, the one that's quick to do the behind-the-scenes work, the one that is quick to do things that maybe no one else notices, but they see all of the needs and they run and are quick to do them. So I, I say that to you about this gift of serving. Second thing I want you to see is this. Clearly, this gift will be extremely varied and measured out differently. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And it will be as Christ apportioned. A desire to help behind the scenes in the local body to add anything to this is to be eisegetical. Now maybe, I'm, maybe you think, Kim, you're taking out all the fun out of all this. But I just want to say, I could tell you, in the material that I read on spiritual gifts, I have no clue as to how people came up with all of these different things. As to how you can even say, um, you know, you're going to be like this and watch out for that and be careful for this. I don't know how you can do that. I do know that it is a desire to help behind the scenes. It, it, it actually means from that Acts 6 passage to do menial tasks. It's the one that is called by Jesus Christ and they're gifted by the Lord Jesus Christ who loves his church to do those most invaluable work of the little things that need to get done so that the church can run properly and so that the body of Christ functions most carefully. And I think that it can be obvious if you take a look at our congregation, some people that we know that have the gift of serving. Uh, There are some great examples here. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison? And we did not help you. There's the word. There's the word right there. The same word, serving, is found right there. Someone, please get this. Here's the way it's biblically used. Someone who is hungry, a thirsty, a stranger, someone needing clothes, or sick in prison, and you rendered help to them. Someone who goes out and, and meets in those ways. Um, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from afar to care for his needs. There it is again, examples of the gift of serving. As he was in the, by the way, it's very interesting. Of the 16 times this word is found in the Gospels, eight times it refers to women. Eight of the 16 times, half of the time, women are the ones that are serving in the use of this word as we are seeing it. Um, he was in the desert four days being tempted by Satan when, when, when he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. There you see it again. To come and attend, be attended. So he went to her, took her to hand and helped her. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. There it is, wait on them. She comes and she begins then now to work. Um, and to, to help the people in this gift of service. Remember, by the way, the first time we really know this spectacular use is they needed deacons to wait on tables. It could be someone, when you have the gift of serving, it is, you just serve people. You're just good at serving in menial tasks to people. And Christ has given you that gift so that you can get things accomplished. Now, um, it's translated, by the way, work, ministry, distribution, help, mission, task, service, or serve. Now, I hope that helps you. I, I, I hope that helps you. Some of you may say, hey, that's my gift. I just love to serve. I love to get behind. I love to do those kind of menial tasks to, to make sure the things get going properly. Now, now I want to just make one last application specifically to this church and we'll be done. And that is, this word servant or the gift of serving, the word servant is the same word for the gift, for the word deacon in the Bible, found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to tell you first off, what we've done wrong at this church over the years, in my opinion, is that the New Testament teaches three offices. 
at least two, maybe three. That is the office of elder, the office of deacon, and the office of deaconess. And some very heavyweight theologians clearly believe that that 1 Timothy 3 is talking not about deacons' wives, because it doesn't talk about the elders' wives, but it talks about the deaconesses. I think the church misses out when we don't use uh, women effectively and always classify them. I, I don't think a woman can be an elder, and I don't think she has the, the God-given right to be an elder in the church of Jesus Christ, but I think that she could be everything else. And I think that uh, scholarship will back that up. But I will say this to you. To date, we've had one group. We've had a group of deacons who, by the way, we never ask anybody if they felt they were gifted in any of these areas. We never asked them to do anything. We just said, vote on people that you think would be good deacons. We had you read 1 Timothy 3 a few times, and you voted. And we got all kinds of different gifts on that, on that deacon board. We got great administrators, and we've got menial task servant type people. Both, not one is more important than anything else. They're all important to the body of Christ, but they are totally different. But what do we do? We take them and we ask them all to do the exact same job. You all come in here and all of you make decisions to run the church uh, that the congregation still has to vote on. Don't get me wrong on that. And all of you go and serve and help people. There were certain times this has been extremely frustrating because deacons would not do a good job caring for people, um, nor would they be maybe very effective in making good decisions. And so we split our group, and we had, some of you know it by now, we split the group, uh, and that is we, we had some Elcons, that is Steve and I being the elders, and some deacons, three of the deacons off of the group of 11 that you voted in, served with, so for a panel or, or a group of five to make oversight decisions, while the other eight served the body of Christ, prayed for you once a week, were assigned to contact you once a month, uh, and to try to help in times of trouble to be a help to you uh, uh, along with the, the pastoral staff. For instance, let's say you were in the hospital for a week, maybe the staff would see you once and the deacon would see you once and you got visited twice by somebody in the church. Just as an example, that would be a goal. Now, um, nothing was done right because we had one group doing both things. And so we split the group, um, but now with the new building there's even more problems. Uh, And some of the reasons for that, and some of you volunteered and we appreciate that, but there's just things that just weren't, weren't getting done. And so there's even more of those kinds of problems. I want to make a new proposal in light of this office of deacon and in light of the elections that will be coming up soon. And that is that I I would suggest that we go with the two biblical offices that are given in the New Testament. You don't see elder in the singular. You see elders in the plural. The congregation would still vote on on the budget and on, on on all the major items of business about supporting missionaries, all that. But I would suggest that we would have... Maybe three groups, although I don't have permission from everybody to talk about deaconesses yet completely, but I'm telling you where I think on that. Um, I would like to see three groups. One is, have some elders elected. If we have to start from scratch and do this all over again, get some elders, and those guys' job would be to give spiritual, administrative, oversight, decision-making process to the staff and to the church. Have men sign up or be appointed as they felt they were gifted, if they didn't feel they had administrative wisdom, then they don't get put on that opportunity to become an elder. Secondly, get deacons and elect deacons, but elect two kinds of deacons. And here I am uh, throwing out uh, a new dispensation for this church age. Uh, you know, you usually laugh on Sunday nights and you're missing all my good jokes here. But that is this, have, have people deacons and have building trustee deacons. 
and have the qualifications for a deacon meet for both groups, but one group is people that are gifted to serve as deacons specifically to people. And get, a pers- get people that sign up and say, yes, my desire is to help people. I want to work with people. I feel the sense that God has called me to be a servant to people. And so we get a list of elders that are saying, I feel called to be an administrator and to help lead. I feel called to be a servant to people that are trustee deacon type people. And that is deacons to care and to serve the needs of the building. They, they, they thrive on that. And you walk in the church often and he spends more time on his knees than, than um, I do praying. But he's not praying. He's working on things on his knees and and. and, and I, I just think this, that, for instance, at the elders' meetings, there would be the representative from the deacons of people and representatives from the deacon of trustees at the elders' meetings, so there could be good communication between all groups. And you won't have what we have so often had, and that is guys just frustrated because they're gifted to be administrators, and what, they're, what we're asking them to do is to care for people. And so we, get, we just start to practice this. I also, quite honestly, and I know there might be somewhat some opposition here, um, but we can handle that in love, is that we, I think we, we take some of these women that are so gifted. Do you know that Friday night when I left here, the, the, the ladies told me that not one family had missed showing up for their appointment for their pictures? And I don't even know how this happened. I mean, if I tried doing that, it would be such a blubbering mess as to try to get everybody organized to take their pictures. But some of these women and these others, they did it. And they did it wonderfully. And I think that to have a group of deaconesses gifted by God to be able to serve in their particular, in their special capacities would be a fantastic thing uh, for this church. And I think this may be, a, a, what I want to do is this is just the start. I want to get people using their gifts and I, I want to implement this as best we possibly can uh, for this church. Okay. And um, do you have any questions more about this? Feel free to talk to us. And... Um, and let's, we haven't done this in a while, let's quickly circle up and we'll be dismissed. And that concludes today's expository word. Please join us again for more classic recorded messages from Kimber Kaufman. Take care. <laughs>